queer or something? Oh, I know what it is. You haven't reached puberty yet. Is that it? I bet you don't even have your period. That's enough, Judy. Angela's allowed to shower in the morning or any other time she wants to. She takes showers when no one can see. She has no hair down below. Judy, she's a real carpenter's dream. The lad is a board and needs a This clip has so many things that I love. First of all, it has this actress playing Judy, which is just like fucking amazing. She is amazing in this movie. Um, the other thing that I love is a slap. I love a slap. I think it's I, it, it, it's queer coded. I think slaps in movies are queer coded. Um, it's particularly when it's like, you know, a woman slapping another woman. Um, and the other thing that I love is uh, fuck off. Oh, it's, yeah, uh, everything about this, absolutely. Judy is, I'm so glad that you have met Judy because she's Oh, my God. And I yeah, I mean, like, that's all I needed to know to watch this movie was yeah. that she was in this movie. Right. Like, I'd really shop at Judy's. Judy. <laughs> I mean, and that shirt. Judy, Judy, Judy. Yeah, the, oh, the shirt. The, the shirt that says Judy on the it? The shirt that says Judy on it. I mean, like, Mary. tote bag. Mary, I want it. I yeah. want it. I want on a tote bag. I want the shirt. I have a new Halloween costume. Yep. And it's that outfit. Yep. She is iconic. All of her faces. It, Mary, I was like trying to find stills for, while watching this movie. And I, I, every single shot of her is perfect. Yeah, she is, she is just an icon. And I feel like. You know, there's obviously there's so much about this movie and, and there's so much about the ending and whatnot. But like there is so much beyond the ending that is so queer about this movie. Some mm. very outright, obviously, like we're going to talk about all of it, but some more just like coded. Some just like, you know, Susie slapping Judy, you know? Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. And <laughs> what I love, especially because I love Susie. She's one of my favorite characters. Of oh, course. of course you do. Because she's Sue Snell. She's Sue Snell. She's the closest Sue Snell that we have. But I love that the scene ends with her just like, shocked by herself and it's like the yeah. camera stays on Susie just being like dismayed by herself and I thought oh you bitch you bitch this movie to give that moment to Susie yeah not Angela not Angela yeah. I just love that and I just think there's also just that drama of like the the because there's also I think there's so much that is all just barely inserted into the movie as to why Judy is the way that she is. And mm. so there's also that of like, oh, it, and, and some of it you just have to kind of read into it or you have to like put into this movie. But like, I love the idea that, that all of this is kind of informed by like insecurities and like, just like teenage girl drama. Yeah, no, absolutely. The idea that there's this new girl, right. Who is, you know, uh, get in the eyes of one of the guys mm -hmm. uh, and take, and you know, kind of taking the spotlight away from Judy and her new tits, yep. you know, yep. uh, the Judy, you know, who would rather be flirting with the boys. Right. But you can't, mm -hmm. um, she, you know, the other thing about this, this scene in particular, right. It's, it's kind of a, I mean, she's clocking her. Yep. Uh, whether whether you want to say clocking in the trans type of way or even the gay type of way, we all know this, and it happened right around puberty, 
for all of us, right? Oh, when we started yeah. getting clocked by our peers. And this was one of the first times in the movie that it was outright, right? I think it's actually that very first scene in the bunk with Judy when I think Meg goes over to her and you know she's like, oh, we got a, a looker here or something. She said something like about her looks. And I was like, oh, that's it. It starts, right? Um, yeah. They're just they, noticing. They've identified like, oh, we've, we found a weak link. We found somebody who's, you know, um, yeah, they, they've just they've sniffed her out. And in so many ways, I mean, I also just think like this clip of like, oh, why aren't you showering with everybody else? Like how many of us have just like navigated that anxiety of like yes. whether because we're just shy little kids or because we're gay or whatever that it, that's just like a. a I knew that feeling and I am not Angela in any way, you know? Right. Well, oh, for sure. Well, you, it's, it's interesting. Cause like a character like Angela or a character like us, you know, in, in so many parts of our childhood, we didn't want to be noticed. We actually were petrified if people did notice that we weren't showering at the same time or that we weren't, you know, going number two at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We yeah. didn't want people to know that we were navigating this whole other script and, uh, you know, on our own time, we didn't, we didn't want that to be noticeable. And I, I feel like this part is horror. It is horror for Angela to be like, Oh my God, Judy noticed. She uh -huh. noticed that I'm not showering at the same time as them. She's noticing that there's probably something different about my body. Yeah, or just in general that I've been noticed as different, yes. you know, and I I'm think just noticed. that mm -hmm. risk in general, but I think for specifically in this movie, it's it's what she's hiding. And and I think, you know, uh, it's, and, and I think, you know, obviously like there's that, the, sort of character conflation of like, oh, what are you queer? And, you know, and, yeah, but I, right. but I also think that that's like, that just adds to the gayness of this movie that adds to mm -hmm. like, you know, cause even the fact that like, if you took out the ending, there are, if you take out that quality, there are elements of like Angela just staring at Judy where you're like, well, she does just stare at her. She is transfixed on, on Judy, who is a girl who's, you know, developed faster and like, you could without that ending you could read into it of like oh maybe maybe angela does have some some feelings or you know is feeling some ways that makes her uncomfortable around the other girls mm. but it makes her fascinated by judy like you could i mean because again this movie is just a skeleton to read things into because the writer had no idea he was writing yeah, any of this no idea. but that's also what yeah, i love it's like about we're this. talking about a hitchcock film and you know doing a queer reading of hitchcock when it's like Hitchcock absolutely didn't see the gay undertones of Psycho. Right. He didn't mean for Rope to be the one of the gayest films in the canon. Yeah. And and it's just like this is but all of that material is there if we want to play like arts and crafts. It is. Oh, and yeah. it is. And we will because we have that power as yeah. gay people. Yeah. Like, nope, we saw this. We, we gay this. people, we get to choose our meanings for, you know, <laughs> slasher movies from the 80s that were just trying to have shock endings. But um, but I think in the case of Sleepaway Camp, I also just think there is a lot of material here. Like, it's yes. not just the ending. I think that no. in some ways that's a distraction from everything else about this movie that I love. And 
I think it makes people invalidate this movie. And listen, if you don't like this, if you don't like the ending, if you are just like, nope, it's just transphobic trash, like you also, we gay people, we get to choose what we don't like. But I am talking about all of the other stuff that is there and stuff like, you know, Aunt Martha that it should at least be discussed. Yeah. Oh my God, I know Aunt Martha for sure. I mean, Mary, if once you get past the 80s lens and like the all too common... LGBT trans characters or sick villains kind of thing, you might be able to find a really cool, like queer story. I mean, because obviously none of it is deliberate, as we said, but like, you know, I feel like that's what we look back for. We look to create meaning in the past. Um, it, like, isn't that kind of what we do? I mean, Silence of the Lambs is is another problematic trans movie, and yet there's so much from that movie that we can take away. And I also think that, like, there's nuances, of course, where, like, I don't, I I would not think of Angela the way I think of Buffalo Bill. I love Angela. She's no. the most sympathetic character in the movie. Oh, I know. And, I like, know. I, I also know. love the, the possibility that, like, Angela is not the only killer. I love the idea that maybe Ricky is also helping out like i think there is there is that theory out there right i did Mm -hmm. read that somewhere and i Um, love that because ricky is also like what does ricky know you know what i mean like yeah what does he know you're right what does he know all of that that i just think is like is just interesting and i think the fact that like and this is where i'm not equipped to have this conversation but when people say like oh angela is this trans character it's like well angela this is not her identity that she's a come to on her own this is an identity that was forced upon her and so to me that feels like a different narrative than like oh this is someone who has self-identified as as a woman now or as a girl this is someone who uh after a a head injury has been uh told you're now angela yeah no that is a the nuance of this all right is that she was it's actually abuse is is the story that we're hearing about Angelo or slash Peter mm-hmm. um, is that this was abuse put upon her, this forced kind of uh, trans uh, identity. Um, in many ways, she's a she's a crossdresser. Uh, and it, it, it it's not necessarily a trans story yet. I think what uh, I was reading this later about the sequels, the mm-hmm. sequels, she becomes a full-fledged, just like, um, quote-unquote, healthier trans person, right? They uh, She goes into therapy, and there's some, like, gender care, and it's very affirming. Um, yeah, well, in... I watched the I watched the sequel because I wanted to see how they continued that because I'd seen it a long time ago, but I watched it again. And yeah, they they actually it's like surprisingly progressive of how they handle it in the sequel where it's like, well, it's like, oh, well, after after what happened in, in the first movie, she was sent to like a hospital and she was then given gender reassignment surgery and um, and like the characters like cause someone's like, well, yeah, she was a guy and someone's like, no, she's a woman like like they just it's weird that like other characters in the movie like affirm her gender identity and then that's Mm. it and then but you know what's funny is like i think in the second one and the third one there is a running theme of like unsympathetic characters being killed off but like i think the first one more clearly shows us like the because the reasons why people are getting killed and like the subsequent ones are kind of silly but in the first one like the victims are all terrible people and yep. 
I like I, I mean sure it's pretty extreme to like kill someone for like bullying but like I think there are a lot of people who like Ronnie and Susie who are always good to Angela they are never harmed you know what I mean so like this isn't just like senseless violence like this is specifically revenge against people it's who revenge are treat yeah. who are doing her wrong yeah it's a revenge storyline you know i wonder what you think about this um reading of the last scene I, I you know we might as well kind of talk about the last scene even though there's so much more to talk about which i think we will get to but just to kind of get that last scene out of the way um first of all it is like that sound the face oh my god i was not actually prepared for it um it was pretty scary yeah uh disturbing in that sense not disturbing like oh my god she has a penis but more disturbing like oh the the scream in her face like oh god she's hissing the, yeah yeah the look to the left oh my god but i wonder i you know obviously the what i have to kind of come to understand that angela is experiencing um, as she's going through puberty is gender dysphoria, like an intense feeling of gender dysphoria, especially when, you know, she has to shower when she's around girls or whatever, um, all, you know, all going, getting, getting wet in going into the water, you know, mm -hmm. all of that stuff. Um, but I wonder if that last shot could be seen or if you can see it as like the depiction of gender dysphoria, just like the rage embodied well i think that that's and and probably you know again because we're we're just injecting it i think that that is another reading of it that i think is interesting is like actually what we're seeing is when somebody is forced to live as the gender that they don't identify like this is a very extreme response that someone could say oh well that's just again like the trans person being the killer but i think if you were to really like read into it because we have the right to because that's what we do here there is also yeah. the, the message you could read in of like well if peter or angela or whoever they are was allowed to just live as who they are like they like that would this is what happens when you like force you know, it's almost like it, there's a comparison to like um, conversion therapy, like, you know, gay conversion yep. therapy. That's what I actually read into this is like this to me feels like what happens when you put someone through conversion therapy. What Aunt Martha did was conversion therapy. Yeah, we're just seeing one way of it. Right. You could see it, it, it just as uh, it, it it's a. It, for, when you force gender roles on someone, when you force sexuality onto someone, right, and it doesn't align with who they are, that is, th that's when it's bad, right? Um, and I, again, Mary, I, I think it's worth just repeating, gender dysphoria doesn't create, you know, murderers and all that. It, it, we're, it's just a metaphor. None of this right, is Mary? literal. Like we're, yeah. Yes. Like right. we're, we're, just, we're talking in metaphors here. Yeah. Cause yeah. I think it's just too easy to be like, Oh, that movie is disgusting. And again, if that's how you feel like you're probably not listening to this episode, but if we're going to talk well, and about in the context it, of the, exactly. Yes. In the context of the eighties, right. It was, you know, ugh, right. Of course. That's all those movies. Psycho. Psycho yeah. is a perfect example of, you know, just like, uh, the trans panic, right? Like, oh, the horror, he's in a dress, you know? Um, he dresses up as his mother, you know? Yeah. It's just like, but, you again, know what I mean? It's all, but when I think about that, and I think about all these movies that kind of contribute to that narrative, I think, well, yes, absolutely, there is a narrative that we're seeing played out in these movies, but I think they're already, they're, they are what they are, and so I think that there is like, 
like, yes, of course, Sleepaway Camp is a trashy movie. Of course it is. But like, no one is expecting virtue here. Like no one is expecting, you know, the writer and director to get it right in 1983 Sleepaway Camp. And so I think once we all collectively accept that, then we can talk about some of these nuances. But like, yeah, the disclaimer, like, again, let it be in neon lights. No one's saying they're they're saying anything well in this movie. But yeah, there's no stuff way. here that's just yeah. really interesting. It's worth discussing. Because it's I worth kind of putting a lens on. It's worth analyzing. It's worth making our own, right? Making sense of it. I mean, right? It's like we, we can talk about Sounds of Lambs. We can talk about Psycho. We can talk about any movie discussed in the celluloid closet, right? Like, there, it's worth talking about. We don't want it erased. Well, and I think the other thing I, to note is that because there is that connection that, like, it also, it, it's kind of premeditated. Like, it, it's, you know, when Angela kills Paul at the end, it's because she saw him making out with Judy, and so this is all, like, she's lured him to the beach. But there is that sense of, like, the last we see before we get to the ending is them getting naked. And so you could read into this idea that, like, and it's funny because the Gaylords of Darkness did an episode on this, and they pointed out an interesting detail of, like, normally in this situation... Uh, if if we're to read Angela as a trans woman, a trans woman is you know with a, a straight person or you know a, a, or a cis guy, excuse me, uh-huh. and he freaks out and kills her, and this is a reverse situation where it was like That's right. the, the threat was not the the trans girl was not at risk in this often common situation. Again, mm. a, a 2023 reading of like, well, that is interesting. But the other thing to point out is that as she's getting undressed, what she's flashing back to is. Um, or ultimately like seeing their dads they have two gay dads in bed together and otherwise like we're not being shown that in a like a they're they're kind of just like laughing and smiling like it, it doesn't feel exploitative or dirty if anything the the gay relationship that we're seeing from the past is legitimized and but then what we see is this suggestion that like uh Paul and his sister or like there was some experimentation going on. Like it feels like Angela's relationship with her sexuality is almost like a whole other issue outside of aunt Martha wanting a little girl. Yeah, it it did. It does feel like aunt Martha, you know, found the needle in the haystack, right? It just Mm -hmm. happened to be that there was, you know, some gender dysphoria already kind of happening, that there was a a misalignment already. Um, I did actually kind of note that, that the context that you and I are watching the dad and the lover did feel very kind of tame and kind of loving. And, you know, the the kids giggling like, okay, you know, it's actually pretty harmless. It's actually pretty sweet. Yep. Um, But in the 80s, I feel like you show that scene you know the the teenage boys the college boys are like oh oh mm-hmm. fuck you know the, the horror that they saw their dad with another man right like that in the 80s i think would have been like oh fuck that's why I, he fucked her up but i feel and i i agree but i also feel like the fact that we see this relationship from the very beginning like we see that flashback of of the boating accident and we see you know the the husband or whatever on the on the beach going john like i feel like Uh these kids know that their father is gay 
And yeah, no, it's true. And like they, they've, I, cause, and it's a little, it is, this is where I'm like, there's something here where you've got to do a bit of mental gymnastics because there is, it's weird to be shown like basically kind of like these kids, like having this weird wholesome moment of like, Oh, look at daddy's in bed. And then have this suggestion of like, Oh, now we're experimenting. And then the Aunt Martha thing, like it's a lot of whoever Angela is has experienced a lot of confusion and trauma throughout her childhood from a lot of different places that I think goes far beyond like is gender dysphoria and is so many other things. I see what you mean. Yeah, no, there's uh, I mean, the other reading, let, let's say we want to read. We don't know about the sequels and stuff. Right. You could read this as, again, forced forced gender right and and in that sense it's it's a young boy that's forced to dress up as a girl for their aunt which you know is pretty abusive um but it's this gay boy it is a gay boy um the whole time um mm-hmm. and right and, th- and that is something that peter uh obviously was kind of figuring out as a young boy and it, it had nothing really to do with the gender gender only came into play when the aunt was like oh i don't want two boys well yeah because you know when you when you then look at it from the sexuality lens of like you know what if yeah what if peter was a little gay boy who's now being forced to dress up as angela and then it puts that different lens on like her relationship with paul and like fascination with judy and, right. and, and being at this age of like oh what am i attracted to and having that awakening right. and like realizing oh i do like paul or i do enjoy kissing boys and i think that's it, it's just a it, it, there's that too and and it again it brings up the question of like what does ricky know because they've been growing up together for eight years <sighs> ricky saw some shit right yes like, ricky has ricky saw some... peter's hair grow out yeah no, like, I think Ricky knows everything, and I think that's mm. why he's so— prote- I mean, obviously he knows—that's why he's so concerned about Angela getting thrown in the water and whatnot. Yeah, and I right. have to say, that yeah. detail was played so interestingly by Felissa Rose of, like, hiding her body, like, hiding her crotch, hiding her chest. Oh, I loved it. I just thought that detail yeah. was so, like, this—it was thread throughout the movie and like, in those details. Yeah, no, for sure. Her her hiding her body. I mean, you could you could read that in in two ways, right? She was just she just didn't want to be noticed. Certainly. She didn't want anybody to look at her body. She didn't want anybody to notice her. She didn't want to speak up. She yeah, she just wanted to disappear. Uh, not to mention, and I think that uh, I think this is true, but like the lake that her sister and her father were murdered in. Um, or died and murdered, uh, is that same yeah, lake. Yeah, right? it's that lake. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so all of it, right, She just, she's just like, Jesus Christ, uh, all of it is kind of coming up. But meanwhile, and this makes me think of that, um, that cartoon on Netflix that I can't remember the name of right now, but like uh, the, the personification of puberty. Oh, Big Mouth. Big Mouth, that's what this reminds me of. I mean, in many ways, this... You know, it's a metaphor for adolescence, right? Uh, this this killer coming out of her, this gender dysphoria, all of this pain is now manifesting um, as she's going through puberty, right? All at the mm-hmm. same time, she's you know, all those uh, hormones, obviously, yeah. exactly all all those hormones, all of the new things, her penis and and everything, 
all kind of happening all at the same time. Uh, and I love that it all kind of expresses itself in this slasher film, right? It's just like, don't make me do this. Don't make me be here. All of the abuse that I've suffered over these past years, I haven't talked to anybody about the death of my family, all of this stuff, all just coming to a head while she's going through puberty. I think it's it's so fascinating to watch the movie from that lens as well, that adolescence is hell. And 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 sometimes uh, teenagers turn into monsters, like like literal monsters. Yeah, I mean, this is like you know, you think about eighth grade, you think about Welcome to the Dollhouse, yeah. you think about like all of these different representations of this age, Pen Fifteen, all of that. And I think it's there is also that running theme of like being a teenager is hell, and uh, yeah, you know, and and this is like a great example because like this so. For anyone who doesn't know, I know we've really just jumped right in, but of course we're continuing All Right Scary with 1983's Sleepaway Camp, uh, which for some, for many, is a you know a slasher classic um, that all has. It is granted it's all filmed, I think, in like parts of New York. Like I think it was like in uh, Glen Falls, it was filmed. Oh, and the opening scene was on Lake Luzerne. In any event, the point being that while it is a uh, more of a New York movie. I think that this movie has like big New Jersey energy and mm. in large part due to some of these cast members. Um, so there's that appeal. Um, and obviously there's so much gay stuff weaved into it, but I, I do have to recognize that like the, just the Jersey energy of this cast, I don't know what it is, but I mean, between Ronnie and Meg and Jean, like these are just a bunch of people in line at a quick check or a Wawa. Judy, for sure. Judy, Judy's big Avenel yeah. energy. Absolutely. I, oh, Avenel for sure. I was going to say like a Glen Rock, or, you know, uh, Middlesex County, you know, mm-hmm. Bayonne. Yep. Oh uh, yeah. 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 Lake, Lake Hopactong. This could have this could have taken place at Lake Hopactong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's she's definitely not as big money. No, she's her family's got money, but she's there's a she's not Franklin Lakes, but you no. know she's adjacent. Yeah, yeah for God's sake, you know. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think the thing, you know, as we're we're talking about, you know, because obviously the story is that that uh, Ricky and Angela go to summer camp and and then uh, all the people who are bullying Angela end up dying, and I. We've mentioned Aunt Martha, but I think as we talk about like what made Angela Angela, I think, and when we talk about the queer coding in this movie, we have to recognize like potential drag inspiration, Aunt Martha. Mary, I mean, she was in a different movie. Yeah. She was, it was, God, it was just so what the fuck is going on? It was almost like it was surreal. And in many ways, that type of abuse is surreal because it is so uh, terrible, right? But God, the one line, what what was the line where she comes back? Uh What does she give them? So she, now like she says, oh, because she says that whole thing about like, I, and I know that I, I had one more thing and I, I tied a string yes. to my finger and it, it is the most yes. bizarre performance. And then she's like, Oh, I remember. And then she goes and she gets their physical forms and she says, right. now remember you can't tell them where you got these, but of course I'm a doctor that fucking oh. pinged for me of like, Oh, oh God. this is where 
this is the hand of the abuser. I'm a doctor. Yes. That was like, oh, got it. I see what's going on here. Um, yeah. I would love to hear an interview with this actress of like, why did you choose this? Oh, so I did read about this because there is a making of like featurette that I meant. I think I watched a while ago, but I saw in the or maybe maybe even the Gaylords of Darkness talked about this. So this woman, Desiree Gould, uh, was just like a real estate agent. And when she got the script, like she went to the director and she was like, I don't know how to do these lines. Like, I don't I'm not an actress. I don't know how to make this work. And he was like, huh. just go for it. And so she just made these choices because it was like, I just had to figure out how to do this. And I just feel like in a way, I almost wish I didn't know that because I love the lore of like, why was, why did we do it this way? And the tone that it sets in this movie, because it's like in the opening, you know, prologue, I mean, I, it, you know, it's this like awful, like boating accident that ends with that poor girl screaming like, Oh God, help the people. Oh God, you have to help them. I mean, help them. I want to play her. And then I want to play aunt Martha. Okay. All right. You could play aunt Martha. Cause I know Uh, you're going to play Judy. Well, then I'm going to play Susie. Then I'll play. Cause I, so I get to be the, Oh, you you double cast. I triple cast here really ultimately. Um, I know I couldn't help it. Uh, you lines. can play the guy on the beach who goes, John. <laughs> you could be him. <laughs> John. Oh God. Um. Yeah. No. I. 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 I really. I was so surprised, Mary. I was ready to be like, this movie is transphobic bullshit, mm-hmm. right? And I just love taking this movie and being like, no, this is a warning. For not living your truth. That's, I just, uh, yeah, I think that like we can interpret this however we want. And I think that there are enough takes of how this is just like not to be bothered with. But like there's, there's too much here to enjoy. There's too much to mine from this movie that I'm like, no, that crab leg has not been fully cracked. Yeah. Uh, or lobster tail or whatever. Oh my goodness. <laughs> there is absolutely, uh, this is a whole double yeah. tail. Yeah. I mean, and you could, you can bring this into the, into the queer space and, and, or with the just adolescence and the queerness of it. Right. Because adolescence for so many of us, that's when whatever was lurking finally begins to emerge. Mm hmm. And and I feel like the murdering right is just a metaphor for a call for help, right? I mean, it's acting you know, out. Yeah, it's it's acting out. It's you know, it's sneaking around. It's yeah. I mean, yeah. I I think uh, you know when when they get to the camp, and I also I I recognize and I, I appreciate that like this movie is unabashedly sleazy. I mean, from the from the moment we meet Artie, the camp cook, who's an open pedophile. Oh God, yes, openly. And like, Very 80s in that sense. Yeah. Like, I and, think men made those jokes all the time, didn't they? Well, I think that how they showed, you know, James Earl Jones's father, Robert Earl Jones playing Ben, um, where he just kind of like, oh, ha, ha, you're crazy, Artie. And I don't even like put that at Ben's feet. I just think that for their other people around someone like Artie, it's like, oh, man, that's nuts. And then you just kind of walk away because you don't want to see more than you've seen or hear more than you've heard, mm. you know? Um, but I think like the fact that like we see that like, okay, right away we know that Artie's a pedophile, like 
early on we find out like oh mel and meg are you know kind of a a burgeoning couple in camp you know the owner mel and meg meg mm. like there's little stuff like that yeah. even um even when ricky first sees paul and paul is ostensibly like a good guy but when he's like oh man you got to see judy like and he does the big boobs <laughs> yeah, gesture yeah. so good. like there's like right away there's just like i i love i just I love sleazy movies. I love sleazy movies. And I not there's no virtue to them, but I love a sleazy movie the way that I love like junk food. You know what I mean? Uh I just Well the sleazies in this movie get murdered. And so the sleazy, there's something very satisfying about it. Absolutely. And it's satisfying and I feel like Carrie at the prom. You yep. know what I mean? It's just like, yep, burn a ball, Carrie. Go yep. for it. And none of the Trust ca- me, Carrie. And none of and it's and it's also not like the Miss Collins character who gets killed. You know what I mean? It's like the fact that Susie never gets killed, the fact that Ronnie's a good guy. Like I fact the fact that like I don't know, the characters who don't deserve to die don't die. I appreciate that as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh no question. One question for you is one thing I wondered, and I I don't know, I kind of like thinking about this movie this way. Do we see Angela throughout the whole movie as how Angela feels, but in reality, she looks different and more in line with like an adolescent male, and that's how the others are kind of seeing her and are like, oh, she's, you know, she's a little different. Well, you know, I where I think that theory makes a lot of sense and would be really interesting is... In the filming of this movie, Felissa Rose was 13 and her mom did not want her participating in any of the killing scenes. And so in all of the scenes where we see somebody stabbing someone or dropping the bee's nest or whatever, that's actually Mm. Jonathan Tierston who plays Ricky. And so even in the scene where, but I think where your theory really like connects is when in Judy's death scene when she sees the silhouette in the doorway because of like the cleaned up transfers of the movie. Now it is very obviously Ricky in a wig. Yeah. And, and that's where I think, Oh, or is that what Angela in a wig or is is, it is actually, it is actually (laughs) Ricky. Hey, is that actually Ricky who's pretending to be Angela or is that what Angela really looks like being someone who is not taking hormones, who right. would be developing as no a beta blocker as a boy? Sure. Um, yeah. Hormone blockers, not beta blockers. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm saying that because I think Mary pointed it out before and it was like, well, you, you might want to take beta blockers, but that's to like keep you from that's uh, stress yeah yeah Yeah, (laughs) i love a beta blocker like don't get me wrong if i've been taking hormone blockers the whole time that that would explain the boobs i um no but i uh yeah i i feel like boobs ed they're called boobs ed i but that theory would make sense because of those technical details of the filming of the movie hmm yeah i mean there's just something so interesting about that last shot that like you know, obviously the, 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 the huge reveal of this monster, right, which is the problematic nature of the 80s lens. But the idea that, you know, it, it, that, that we're that the audience is finally seeing the, the, the you know, the, the fully formed adolescent, mm-hmm. you know, the, 
the gender dysphoria, if you will. Yeah, that we're what we've been seeing is the Angela that Aunt Martha has been trying to raise, and then in the final shot, what we're seeing is the real person, like the you know the reality of the situation. And yeah, um, right. I mean, I think the choice to have Angela, Angela's brother. Yeah, uh, yeah, whatever Peter. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but I think the choice to have that like Angela slash Peter, whatever, like hissing at the end that that it actually is kind of like a monstrous reaction. I mean, that's just so. I think to try to read into it from a twenty twenty three lens, of course, like it, it checks all the boxes. But from just like a purely like shocking sleazy movie ending, it's so effective. It it. And that mm. that face and that sound, like the the music, oh, the beat it's of so it, haunting. it's so haunting. Yeah. So regardless of the context, like just the the filmmaking of that, and it's really about the face, not the penis. Um, it is, is about the face. Is yeah. really is is very haunting. Oh my god! Yeah, it's so eerie. It's so eerie. Yeah, oh, and like god. what that implies of like what has happened to Angela at this point, because you think about it, all of the other murders that she committed, she did and she hid and she ran away. And so for this one, for her to stay there cradling Peter's or Paul's head, um, Mm. and then for Ronnie and Susie to discover her, it's like, I've heard her just stand there holding the head. That's different behavior than how Angela has been operating up until this point. Yeah, something something snapped, something changed. And uh, that suggests her. what if all of the other murders were Ricky and then this is the right. first time Angela's killed. Interesting. Uh yeah, no, it's very true. It's very, very true. Yeah. Um so uh, very interesting theory. Okay. All right. And you know, I'll I mean, the, the obviously, you know, yeah, there are the sequels and, and the character of Angela continues, but you know, Ricky, he gets beat up by Mel, but he doesn't die. Like Ricky survives at the end. And so mm. there, there's so much cause the movie ends so abruptly, but there's so much there of like, mm. you know, like just, there's such an epilogue there. There's so, you know, it, it's, I don't know. I, I love that, that the movie ends kind of on this, this freeze frame and it's like oh my god like but but what does ricky know like what did he kill them like what really happened like there's just so much there but i also like the idea of backing up for a second what if mel is the first person that angela kills because angela saw him beating up ricky Mm. And maybe that is that Ricky has been protecting her this whole time and then her protector gets beat up and now Angela snaps and she kills Mel and it's like, well, well, we're at it, you know, let me pick up where Ricky left off. And I think that is so interesting of like, now I want to know so much more about Angela and Ricky's relationship when I think of them as like, oh, we've grown up in a really fucked up childhood together. Yeah. Um, what, and, oh, here's another thing, just a thought, just a thought, what if that flashback that Angela has, um, of her dad's in bed and then her in bed or her as Peter in bed with her sister, what if that's Ricky and Angela as kids? I did think that, yeah, I was like, I wonder if that's, is that her brother or her sister, uh, or is that Ricky? Yeah. yeah. And no, why is he just right. pointing at her? Maybe he's pointing at her because he's like, you're a boy, you know, like, and maybe that's Ricky's re- like awakening that Angela is not his sister and is, mm. and is Peter or whatever. I don't know. Just 
things to inject into this if to write fan fiction these are places you could go with this movie oh can we write more fan fiction about judy because i mean mary it is again i can't stress enough every face every shot of her is perfection well, I mean, and she ha- she has the drag lines of like, oh, you know, Angela, she's a carpenter's dream, flat as a board and needs a screw. Needs a screw. Yeah. Uh, she says, um, what does she say? It's like, oh, you don't have any hair down below. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Oh, the way she eats all of those lines. My, She is the best actress in this uh, movie. Like, she no is, question. She, she has this great moment. I think it is after, um, it's after, Ricky catches Paul making out with Judy in the forest. And then I guess Paul leaves. And then Ricky says to Judy, you're really a scumbag. You know that Judy, which I love. I love that he insults her. Like she's a guy. Yeah. And then he walks away and there's this, the shot is held on Judy and she's got some hurt in her eyes. And that's where I'm like, Oh, there's so much about Judy here that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that she, She's getting all this attention from these boys, right? Mm-hmm. Like just j- the, the fact that she needs that uh, is also kind of, you know, and then targeting, uh, you know, bully, hurt people, hurt people, right? So just targeting this this little lamb in the bunk, you know? Absolutely. What's, what's, what's it to you, fucking Karen Field, bitch? Yeah. Well, and the fact that like, and then there's Meg who's like hooking up with Mel, who's not even like a hot older guy. Like, my God, she's fucking a baseball mitt so you're like what's oh, meg's yeah, story you know like what's yeah. so i love that that like judy and meg like what do they come in a summer camp what are they getting away from at home you know mm. yeah what's karen fields getting away from i'm trying to look up anything else that she's done and it, she's just known for being judy yeah which i also love because it's it's perfect. Well, I think there was some short film that she was in called Judy where like she plays the killer. So I think there's that. Judy's oh. very much I think she go I think Karen Fields does like the horror convention circuit and all of that. I feel like she's Judy knows where her bread's buttered. Um Judy also oh, has that, Are you just gonna say the way she dies? No, the way oh. that she walks in this movie. The, I the, every gesture where her hair lays it, 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 I just find her to be mesmerizing. That that hair is insanely long. Um, but her death in this movie is just oh yeah brutal. I mean, and it, oh, I think that there is yeah, something actually, really bad. There's something yeah. to be said if we're going to continue with all of this. There's something to be said that she has a sexualized murder, and so if we uh-huh. were to consider. Angela staring at her all the time if we were to consider the fact that Ricky is Judy's ex-steady from the previous summer like there are like the fact that she I mean like for folks who don't know she basically has a uh, curling iron shoved up or you know what and I know it's yeah it's really disturbing yeah Yeah. well first I'm glad we don't see it yeah we don't see anything that's the thing about that murder is you don't see anything other than the, the shadow of the curling iron and then you see her hands bolt up because he's got oh, a pillow. Yeah. Um, oh, but I, whoever kills her, uh, I also like punches her in the face, which is just like, I could see Ricky punching her in the face, but the idea of Angela punching Judy in the face is so gratifying. Um, mm. so there's that. Um, I also need to mention 
I uh, th- the things that I would let Gene, the camp, the camp counselor, not Ronnie. I would let Ronnie do many things, but Gene, who is also in a crop top and short shorts. And has the first furries... one that goes camping with the kids. No, that was another that guy. That was like Eddie or something else. That was another guy. Gene oh. is the one who like he's in the boys ca- um, cabin and he's like the one who uh, steals the knife away from Mozart and stuck and hides it under his towel. Um, he plays baseball with them. He is so fucking hot. He is literally like I, the things I would let. And the actor's name is Frank Trent Saladino. Like, oh, my God, I went to high school with the Saladinos yeah. in New Jersey. So you need to see if they have an oh. Uncle Frank because uh, oh. he is. And I think he it, I feel like he's probably from New Jersey to look at him. There's no way he's not from New Jersey. Like <clears throat> I, I. Oh, my God. I need to let the universe know that I am looking for Frank Saladino. I'm looking for Frank a Frank Trent Sal- a Frank Trent Saladino type. Yeah, he's 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 a sit on my face type of guy. Oh, for sure. like hold a stack of phone books and sit on my face. Jesus uh-huh. Christ! Yeah, I I, I, I want to be type. clinically dead. Oh Jesus, yeah. uh, Karen Fields. Uh, hey, how come Angela gets to talk to the boys all day? Um, I'm just finding her on Instagram. She has uh, 1,267 followers. Oh, not nearly enough. But not enough. those people are dedicated to her. I know that much. Yeah. Uh, so good. So yeah. good. Yeah, there's, you know, the other thing that kind of tips me off about this movie that it's not just about, uh, you know, uh, trans identity or queer identity is all of the scenes that are just about hazing and just about, you know, gender roles and the boys in the boys bunk and what they're doing to each other and, you know, playing baseball and, and all of that, uh, you know, getting high, you know, behind the, you know, the whatever. Um, uh, and then getting, canoes, you know, skinny yeah. dipping and all that. Yeah, exactly. Um, there, this movie is very much also a, just a summer camp movie. And in the same way that you could watch Salute Your Shorts and just talk about what that's teaching us about adolescence and kind of and growing up um, and and how we are socializing each other at that age. Well, it's Um, so homoerotic as well. Exactly. If you think about it, like the only nudity in this movie and for an 80s summer camp slasher, the only nudity is male nudity. There's the penis yeah. at the end. So you don't, we don't see Meg's uh, when she's showering. Yeah, there's a shower any, scene. Anything. Yeah. yeah. And then it's the boys on the beach, you know, skinny dipping. You see all their butts. And then there's whoever's butt when they're making Mozart do the, the sit-up. And then his face mm-hmm. smashes into that kid's butt. Oh, I, I like, love that. Yeah. yeah. I was like, well, I, I like that game. Um, so, yeah. like, all of the nudity is male nudity. There is, I mean, just obviously the outfits, is, some of it's just like the fashion of the time, but like, my God, the cutoff yeah, miniature shirts and the jeans, and the crop tops, yeah. the jean shorts, and the little tidy whiteies. It's, it's very 80s. It's very um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, right? I love it. I yeah. love those short shorts. And so like, it's just, all of that just is, is so, it's just so gay to me. Um and, oh, the other thing I have to mention is during the baseball game, I mean, I should have taken a clip of this, but, you know, the one guy is, is at bat, and, and I think Ricky's 
playing the catcher i'm sure not the first time and he's like oh this guy blows dogs and then the one guy yells out like oh eat shit and die ricky and then he goes eat shit and die eat shit and live bill. eat shit and live eat shit and live yeah. bill eat shit and live bill that's a great and his delivery back. is perfect eat shit and live yeah. bill Oh my God. I, I just, I swoon for eat shit and live bill. So I, 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 I'm wondering your thoughts, even though I know he's young, but just the idea of him, not anything more, but his name is Paul, right? He Mm -hmm. is a sweetie Dottie. Like he is, if you're not going to go for the camp counselor and I know that you do, um, but or any camp counselor. I know that that's oh, your type. Oh, the right? t- yeah, a camp counselor um, type. Absolutely. But yeah. Paul is such a sweetheart, right? He's just like, oh, no, I'll be nice to her. Right? Yeah. Or is he also a sleazebag? I think that Paul is a teenage boy, and, you know, he wants to hook up, and, you know, maybe you could write this whole narrative that last summer Ricky and Judy got, went steady, and Paul didn't have anybody, and now this summer, like, Paul's hoping to get lucky with Angela, and, like, maybe he is, like, otherwise, like, he's a nice boy, he asks for consent, you know what I mean? When when she says no, he stops, like, we don't see any of those kind of, like, moments, so I feel like, yeah, I think Paul... I think the fact that he makes out with Judy, it, I to me, I look at that as like, well, isn't that just the nature of summer camp? You know what I mean? Like, that's, you. have you ever seen like MTV True Life, like summer camp? Or I think it's fat camp. Oh, my God. I think it's fat camp. But in any event, it, these these dramas happen, you know? And so I I think that Paul is not like a Susie. He's not perfect. Um, because she's a perfect queen, but I think that he is in general uh, a much nicer guy than like Mike or Kenny or a lot of the other guys. Yeah, he's a nicer version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not as nice as Ricky. Ricky's really nice. Oh, Ricky's Ricky's the best. I mean, I think that Ricky is like. Ugh, I I love Ricky. I just think he's such a great character. I'm I had forgotten that he doesn't die. I thought Mike killed him, so I was so relieved that he survived. I just I and I love how protective he is of Angela, and I feel like it's just I don't know. Uh, that's also very sweet and feels very genuine, but also hints at like, what do you know, Ricky? What's Ricky's mm. story? Well, yeah, what has he been through? You know, what have you been through having Aunt Martha as your mother, Martha, all these oh, years? God, yeah, Mother Martha. You know, oh God, that woman, that woman is. And you, oof. you think about it, like Ricky has such a temper. What is that hinting at? You know, mm. with his mother, who's a doctor. You know what I mean? Like, what is Ricky acting out? It, it, and and if he's whether he's killing people or not, like, what's going on with Ricky? Yeah, we have to talk about Ricky. We got to talk about Ricky. Ricky and the Flash, you know? Oh, my kids are one room. Oh, my kids are one room. Uh, Ricky and the Slash. Ricky and the Slash, that's Ricky right. Ricky and the Slash, yeah. Yes. Uh, the, the Slash, that's right. Uh, God, I'm thinking of a they slash them joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, you know, on, uh, years ago, I can't remember, but speaking of Gaylords of Darkness, I think Stacy made the joke. Um, they were talking about, and just like that, and Che Diaz, and she was like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and the oh. tagline of the movie is like, who will survive and what will be left of they, them? Yes. Uh, which, so Very that's smart. 
that's all I've got for you. Well, all right, Mary. Uh, any other thoughts on the sleepaway camp? Uh, no, I think it's a, you know, it, it's a great little movie. I think if you don't like, you don't, if you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. I also, uh, also, I'll also say that um, this was, I saw this when I was like a kid. This was one of my like video store rentals. But when I think of the, the cover art for this movie because it's like you know this this knife going through a sneaker underwater and then it shows the edges Uh of like a note that somebody is writing to their mom of like hey mom like you know uh something's you know something's going on here people are dying and as a kid just the idea of being stuck at a summer camp where people are dying and like desperately writing a letter to my mother to pick me up scared the shit out of me and i just like so so as a as sort of a, a childhood te- you know trauma of my own the the concept of sleepaway camp just from the cover art always scared me um i wonder if that has anything to do with you know not being picked up by your father oh i wonder i mean listen i don't know if anybody knows this but i'm also a child of divorce and that's got to be related somehow yeah who knows who knows? Well, I'm I'm really glad that I know this movie now, um, that I can add it into, you know, the list of problematic LGBT characters as villains, but uh, we can kind of reclaim as, you know, well, what can we learn from these uh, these queer people, uh, these que- queer characters um, given to us? Um, yeah, really, really enjoy it. Uh, I am also very excited for next week's All Right, Scary. Oh, that's do you know right. What it is? Uh, I I do believe that I will say it in hushed tones. I think I do. Hush. Hush. Uh, yes, it is going to be. Correct me if I'm wrong, Colin. The first episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that you will have ever watched. I think it's possible I've seen Snips and Snails in the past, but like that's been so long ago that like ostensibly. This will be uh, an everlasting love, and maybe an everlasting love, maybe. But this will really be, and and really, our first true discussion of Buffy on this podcast. Yeah, and I don't know how much of Buffy we're gonna get to discuss, but I always pick this episode as one of the episodes for people to start. Uh, if you're gonna start Buffy the Vampire Slayer, why don't you watch this episode? There's it can kind of live it's its own set piece. Um, there actually, it actually is an amazing episode when you consider uh, where it's placed in the season and what is revealed um, about the characters. The characters find out about themselves in this uh, universe that is created in this particular episode. Um, it's also season four, which gets a bad rap. Uh, there's a lot of amazing shit that happens in season four. Um, you would love the roommate that's obsessed with Celine Dion. You would love her. Um, it's Buffy's first year at college. And uh, so uh, anyway, it's it's from season four. The episode is called Hush, and we will be discussing it next week. And I'm very excited. Yeah, I, I don't know what to expect. I don't know really anything about this episode, and I'm going to just go in blind. Um because why not? And uh, I'm sure I'm sure I'll have Buffy questions. We'll probably talk about Buffy a little bit. Come on, Buffy. Come on, Buffy. Uh, but this was fun. I'm glad we got to cover some good old-fashioned 80s slasher trash. 
Um, mm. I'm always, I always love to navigate this territory and especially I'm trying to really like fill my tank this season of like, what are the movies I haven't seen that like I should have seen by now? Like what are the good trashy classics I need to have under my belt? And so while I've seen this before, it was nice to refresh Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's an important one, I think. Well, folks, uh, I think that's all we got for you this week. So do you want to do your thing that you do when we send people out at the end of the episode? Yeah, Marys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you uh, for, you know, uh, going out on this journey. If you have any thoughts on Sleepaway Camp, you can reach out to us at AllRightMaryPod on Instagram. You can email us at AllRightMaryPodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on the web at www.AllRightMary.com. And if you want, I'm on Instagram at Johnny also. And you can hear me on my other podcast, The Best Supporting Podcast, where we queen out on best supporting actresses like Judy every week. I mean, absolutely, if we were to do this movie, we would talk about Judy. Um, and a little bit of Meg and a little bit of Susie, but certainly Aunt Martha. Um, and more importantly, you can find me on Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And you can find more of both of us on Patreon, where we are currently covering Drag Race UK Season 5. And at the Only Mary's level, we are I, we are about to record a very special episode. Uh, some some Drag Race adjacent classic videos that have hit the the viral webs these days. But all of that is at patreon.com slash allrightmary. Oh, that Only Mary's episode is going to be very Delta. Oh, very Delta. But uh, very Delta. We did it. I did it. I did it. Well, <laughs> I did it. It's going to be very re- <sighs> revealing. Oh, I can't wait. All right, Marys. We'll see you over on Marys. Sorry, that made no sense. All right, Marys. We will see you over on Only Marys or Patreon or next week for more All Right Scary. Oh, <laughs> 